I'm about to read you one of my probably top five favorite portions of scripture ever. Um, I used to have this posted on the back of my door and I would read it like every day and just, just meditate on it. And that's what we're here to do this morning. It's Luke chapter 24, verse 25. Jesus is talking with a couple of disciples on the road to Emmaus. And they're telling him, oh yeah, Jesus was just crucified. We had hoped he was going to be the one to redeem Israel. And he just, he just doesn't have any time for that, that kind of despair. He's like, oh foolish ones and slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken? Was it not necessary that the Christ should suffer these things and enter into his glory? And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he interpreted to them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. That's like a bombshell of information. That should blow your mind. Skip down to verse 44. Then he said to them, These are my words that I spoke to you while I was still with you, that everything written about me in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms must be fulfilled. Then he opened their minds to understand the scriptures and said to them, Thus it is written that the Christ should suffer and on the third day rise from the dead and that repentance for the forgiveness of sins should be proclaimed in his name to all nations, beginning from Jerusalem. You are witnesses of these things. And behold, I am sending the promise of my Father upon you, but stay in the city until you are clothed with power from on high. Jesus just told these guys that the whole Bible is about him. I had read almost every verse of the Old Testament before I understood this passage and figured out that it was, like, true. And when I got it, I was amazed. John and Emily Weiss did a Bible study with my wife and me a few years ago through Peter J. Lightheart's book, L-E-I-T-H-A-R-T, Lightheart. It's called A House for My Name, A Survey of the Old Testament. This book goes through multiple passages in the Old Testament, through the whole storyline of the Old Testament, uh, more, maybe more rightly called the Hebrew Scriptures, and it looks for the shadows of Jesus. And it traces the storyline of God coming to live with and redeem his people. It's a very helpful thing. And since last week, we talked about vital signs of spiritual life, we looked at uh, some signs that others might use as they look at us to see, is this person in Christ? And we circled number one, hunger for the word of God. Well, I think we will be more hungry for the word of God if we are deeply interested and enticed, uh, righteously enticed to read our Old Testament and find Jesus there. So this morning, I invite you on an exercise in exploring Genesis 37 through 50, the entire life story of Joseph. But first, remember what Jesus said. 
that all these scriptures are about him. So, if you're not finding Jesus in the Old Testament, in the Hebrew scriptures, you are not reading it the right way. Have you ever read, like, Ruth and not thought of Jesus? That's a problem. You did it wrong. You've got to reread it again through new eyes. Have you ever read uh, Genesis and not seen Jesus on many different pages, seen foreshadowings of him? Well, then we didn't read it right. Jesus is the beginning and the firstborn over all creation. Not meaning that he's the first thing that was created. He's the beginning. Like, it began with him. He is the source. He's the originator of everything. And in him, everything holds together. Therefore, in the scriptures, we might expect to find, as we read through the timeline from Adam to last Adam, fully presented in his glory and revelation, we might expect to see a rise uh, in building expectations and shadows of Jesus coming. It's like this. Jesus is so great, he's the center of the whole universe. He doesn't just cast a shadow right where he is. He doesn't just cast a long shadow all around him in every direction. His shadow goes back through time. You can see foreshadowings, the shadow that Jesus, larger than life, yea, the source of life, cast all the way back into Genesis. And in the lives of holy men and women of old, our Lord is so great that he wrote into history and into their life stories patterns and examples of what Jesus was to be presented as, of, of what he is like before he came to earth as a man. It says in 1 Corinthians 10, 11 through 13, that these things happened to them, talking about Exodus as an example, but they were written down for our instruction on whom the end of the ages has come. Therefore, let anyone who thinks that he stands take heed, lest he fall. No temptation has overtaken you that is not common to man. God is faithful, and he will not let you be tempted beyond your ability, but with the temptation, he will also provide the way of escape so that you may be able to endure it. That just said that the way to escape temptation in life, and we'll all have that every day, is to know the whole scripture and meditate on the examples and patterns. I'm going to add to that, and seeing Jesus in the Old Testament it's going to help us escape temptation and live victorious, joyful Christian lives in the middle of much trial, temptation, and suffering. If the foreshadowings of Jesus are written all through the pages of the Old Testament, don't you want to know how to find him there so that you can bring him gifts of worship and thank yous? If the Old Testament is ammunition to fight temptation, don't you want to be well-versed in it and know it 
so that you have it in your hands, so that you can be ready for the daily fight? 1 Peter 1.12 says, It was revealed to them, the prophets, the writers of the Hebrew Scriptures, that they were serving not themselves but you. In the things that have now been announced to you, this gospel of Jesus, through those who preach the good news to you by the Holy Spirit sent from heaven, things into which angels long to look. The men who were specially chosen and anointed of God to write down the thoughts God breathed into them in the scriptures were diligently searching the other scriptures even as they were being written to figure out who the Christ was to be. Angels for centuries and centuries have longed to understand the things that were revealed in the person of Jesus Christ in his master plan of salvation to deliver a people for himself, a people to be called by his name. Now we have these things, and we have the special privilege of looking back and learning to read the shadows of the Old Testament and find that they are the shadows of Jesus. So let's read Genesis chapter 37. We have about four or five chapters to read together. We're going to read the entire life story of Joseph, the son of Jacob. If you would like to take notes, I would encourage you to. We will be looking for ways that Joseph looks like Jesus. Things that happen to Joseph that also happen to Jesus. Joseph's life circumstances that were also Jesus' life circumstances. Echoes of the Christ in the life of Joseph. So you have a sheet of lined paper in your bulletins. You have a pen in front of you, maybe. If you'd like to jot down some things, we're going to, in classroom style, take turns and point out together and write up on the whiteboard what we've seen in this brief study. So let's read Genesis 37. Joseph, being 17 years old, was pasturing the flock with his brothers. He was a boy with the sons of Bilhah and Zilpah, his father's wives, and Joseph brought a bad report of them to their father. Now Israel, that's Jacob, also named Israel. Now Israel loved Joseph more than any of his other, than any other of his sons because he was the son of his old age, and he made him a robe of many colors. But when his brothers saw that their father loved him more than all his brothers, they hated him and could not speak peacefully to him. Now, <clears throat> Joseph had a dream. And when he told it to his brothers, they hated him even more. He said to them, hear this dream that I've dreamed. Behold, we were binding sheaves in the field. And behold, my sheaf arose and stood upright. And behold, your sheaves gathered around it and bowed down to my sheaf. His brothers said to him, are you indeed to reign over us? Or are you indeed to rule over us? So they hated him even more for his dreams and for his words. Then he dreamed another dream and told it to his brothers and said, behold, I've dreamed another dream. Behold, the sun and the moon and 11 stars 
were bowing down to me. But when he told it to his father and to his brothers, his father rebuked him and said to him, What is this dream that you have dreamed? Shall I and your mother and your brothers indeed come to bow ourselves to the ground before you? And his brothers were jealous of him, but his father kept the saying in mind. Now, his brothers went to pasture their father's flock near Shechem, and Israel said to Joseph, Are not your brothers pasturing the flock at Shechem? Come, I will send you to them. And he said to him, Here I am. So he said to him, Go now, see if it is well with your brothers and with the flock, and bring me word. So he sent him from the valley of Hebron, and he came to Shechem. And a man found him wandering in the fields, and the man asked him, What are you seeking? I'm seeking my brothers, he said. Tell me, please, where they are pasturing the flock. And the man said, They have gone away, for I heard them say, Let us go to Dothan. So Joseph went after his brothers and found them at Dothan. They saw him from afar, and before he came near to them, they conspired against him to kill him. They said to one another, Here comes this dreamer. Come now, let us kill him and throw him into one of the pits. Then we will say that a fierce animal has devoured him, and we'll see what, what, what will become of his dreams. But when Reuben heard it, he rescued him out of their hands, saying, Let us not take his life. And Reuben said to them, Shed no blood. Throw him into this pit here in the wilderness, but do not lay a hand on him, that he might rescue him out of their hand to restore him to his father. So when Joseph came to his brothers, they stripped him of his robe, the robe of many colors that he wore. And they took him and they threw him into a pit. The pit was empty. There was no water in it. Then they sat down to eat. And looking up, they saw a caravan of Ishmaelites coming from Gilead with their camels bearing gum, balm, and myrrh on their way to carry it down to Egypt. Then Judah said to his brothers, what profit is it if we kill our brother and conceal his blood? Come, let us sell him to the Ishmaelites, and let not our hand be upon him, for he is our, our brother, our own flesh. And his brothers listened to him. Then Midianite traders passed by, and they drew Joseph up and lifted him out of the pit and sold him to the Ishmaelites for 20 shekels of silver. They took Joseph to Egypt. When Reuben returned to the pit and saw that Joseph was not in the pit, he tore his clothes and returned to his brothers and said, The boy is gone, and, and I, where shall I go? Then they took Joseph's robe and slaughtered a goat and dipped the robe in the blood. And they sent the robe of many colors and brought it to their father and said, This is what we have found. Please identify if it is your son's robe or not. And he identified it and said, it is my son's robe. A fierce animal has devoured him. Joseph is without doubt torn to pieces. Then Jacob tore his garments and put sackcloth on his loins and mourned for his son many days. All his sons and all his daughters rose up to comfort him, but he refused to be comforted and said, No, 
I shall go down to Sheol to my son mourning. Thus his father wept for him. Meanwhile, the Midianites had sold him in Egypt to Potiphar, an officer of Pharaoh, the captain of the guard. Let's skip over to chapter 39. Now Joseph had been brought down to Egypt, and Potiphar, an officer of Pharaoh, the captain of the guard, an Egyptian, had brought him, had brought, had bought him from the Ishmaelites who had brought him down there. The Lord was with Joseph, and he became a successful man, and he was in the house of his Egyptian master. His master saw that the Lord was with him, and that the Lord caused all that he did to succeed in his hands. So Joseph found favor in his sight and attended him, and he made him overseer of his house and put him in charge of all that he had. From the time that he made him overseer in his house and over all that he had, the Lord blessed the Egyptian's house for Joseph's sake. The blessing of the Lord was on all that he had in house and field. So he left all that he had in Joseph's charge, and because of him, he had no concern about anything but the food he ate. Now Joseph was handsome in form and appearance, and after a time his master's wife cast her eyes on Joseph and said, Lie with me. But he refused and said to his master's wife, Behold, because of me my master has no concern about anything in the house and has put everything that he has in my charge. He is not greater in this house than I am. Nor has he kept back anything from me except you, because you are his wife. How then can I do this great wickedness and sin against God? And as she spoke to Joseph day after day, he would not listen to her, to lie beside her or to be with her. But one day, when he went into the house to do his work, and none of the men of the house was there in the house, she caught him by his garment, saying, Lie with me! But he left his garment in her hand and fled and got out of the house. As soon as she saw that he had left his garment in her hand and had fled out of the house, she called to the men of her household and said to them, See, he has brought among us a Hebrew to laugh at us. He came in to lie with me, and I cried out with a loud voice. And as soon as he heard that I lifted up my voice and cried out, he left his garment beside me and fled and got out of the house. Then she laid up his garment by her until his master came home. And she told him the same story, saying, The Hebrew servant whom you have brought among us came in to me to laugh at me. But as soon as I lifted up my voice and cried, he left his garment beside me and fled out of the house. As soon as his master heard the words that his wife spoke to him, This is the way your servant treated me. His anger was kindled. And Joseph's master took him and put him into the prison, the place where the king's prisoners were confined. And he was there in prison. But the Lord was with Joseph and showed him steadfast love and gave him favor in the sight of the keeper of the prison. And the keeper of the prison put Joseph in charge of all the prisoners who were in the prison. Whatever was done there, he was the one who did it. The keeper of the prison paid no attention to anything that was in Joseph's charge because the Lord was with him. And whatever he did, 
the Lord made it succeed. In chapter 40, which we're going to skip, Joseph meets two fellow prisoners and they have dreams. This is becoming a theme. Uh, His brothers, his father and his mother understood his dreams quite easily. They didn't trip over what it meant for the sun and the moon and the 11 stars to bow down to Joseph. They got it right away. In these dreams, uh, uh, God gives two fellow prisoners dreams about what's going to happen to them in a few days. And Joseph has understanding from the Lord, just like Daniel later did in the empires of Babylon and Persia. And he, he interprets the dream to them, and it is fulfilled. And one of them is killed, one of them is restored to his old job, uh, serving Pharaoh himself. Yet, he did not remember Joseph, but forgot him. So Joseph is left there stuck in prison. Chapter 41, after two whole years, Pharaoh dreamed, and he had a dream. Skip down to verse 7. He dreamed of uh, ears of grain, plump ears, and, and skinny, blighted ears of grain, and he couldn't understand it. And Pharaoh awoke, verse 7, and behold, it was a dream. So in the morning... His spirit was troubled, and he sent and called for all the magicians of Egypt and all its wise men. Pharaoh told them his dreams, but there was none who could interpret them to Pharaoh. Skip down to verse 14. His official then remembered Joseph. Then Pharaoh sent and called Joseph, and they quickly brought him out of the pit. And when he had shaved himself and changed his clothes, And came in before Pharaoh. Pharaoh said to Joseph, I have had a dream, and there is none who can interpret it. I have heard it said of you that when you hear a dream, you can interpret it. Joseph answered Pharaoh, It is not in me. God will give Pharaoh a favorable answer. Then Pharaoh said to Joseph, Behold, in my dream I was standing on the banks of the Nile, Seven cows, plump and attractive, came up out of the Nile and fed in the reed grass. Seven other cows came up after them, poor and very ugly and thin, such as I have never seen in all the land of Egypt. And the thin, ugly cows ate up the first seven plump cows. But when they had eaten them, no one would have known that they had eaten them for they were still as ugly as at the beginning. Then I awoke. I also saw in my dream seven ears growing on one stalk, full and good, seven ears withered, thin, and blighted by the east wind sprouted after them, and the thin ears swallowed up the seven good ears. And I told it to the magicians, but there was no one who could explain it to me. Then Joseph said to Pharaoh, The dreams of Pharaoh are one. God has revealed to Pharaoh what he is about to do. The seven good cows are seven years, and the seven good ears are seven years. The dreams are one. The seven lean, ugly cows that came up after them are seven years, and seven empty ears blighted by the east wind 
are also seven years of famine. It is as I told Pharaoh, God has shown Pharaoh what he is about to do. There will come seven years of great plenty throughout all the land of Egypt, but after them there will arise seven years of famine, and all the plenty will be forgotten in all the land of Egypt. The famine will consume the land, and the plenty will be unknown in the land by reason of the famine that will follow, for it will be very severe. And the doubling of Pharaoh's dream means that the thing is fixed by God and God will shortly bring it about. Now therefore, let Pharaoh select a discerning and wise man and set him over the land of Egypt. Let Pharaoh proceed to appoint overseers over the land and take one-fifth of the produce of the land of Egypt during the seven plentiful years and let them gather all the food of these good years that are coming and store up grain under the authority of Pharaoh for food in the cities and let them keep it. That food shall be a reserve for the land against the seven years of famine that are to occur in the land of Egypt, so that the land may not perish through the famine. This proposal pleased Pharaoh and all his servants. And Pharaoh said to his servants, Can we find a man like this, in whom is the Spirit of God? Then Pharaoh said to Joseph, Since God has shown you all all this, There is none so discerning and wise as you. You shall be over my house, and all my people shall order themselves as you command. Only as regards the throne will I be greater than you. And Pharaoh said to Joseph, See, I have set you over all the land of Egypt. Then Pharaoh took his signet ring from his hand and put it on Joseph's hand and clothed him in garments of fine linen and put a gold chain about his neck and made him ride in his second chariot. And they called out before him, Bow the knee! Thus he set him over all the land of Egypt. Moreover, Pharaoh said to Joseph, I am Pharaoh, and without your consent, no one shall lift up hand or foot in all the land of Egypt." And Pharaoh renamed him, and he gave him a wife. So Joseph went out over the land of Egypt. Joseph was 30 years old when he entered the service of Pharaoh, king of Egypt. And Joseph went out from the presence of Pharaoh and went through all the land of Egypt. During the seven plentiful years, the earth produced abundantly, and he gathered up all the food of those seven years, which occurred in the land of Egypt, and put the food in the cities. He put in every city the foods from the fields around it. And Joseph stored up grain in great abundance like the sand of the sea until he ceased to measure it, for it could not be measured. Before the year of famine came, two sons were born to Joseph. We'll kind of skip on through that. Um, He named the children after his hardship and after God remembering him in the midst of his hardship. For he said, God has made me fruitful in the land of my affliction. Verse 53, the seven years of plenty that occurred in the land of Egypt came to an end. And the seven years of famine began to come. As Joseph had said, there was famine in all lands. But in all the land of Egypt, there was bread. When all the land of Egypt was famished, The people cried to Pharaoh for bread. 
Pharaoh said to all the Egyptians, go to Joseph. What he says to you, do. So when the famine had spread over all the land, Joseph opened up all the storehouses and sold to the Egyptians, for the famine was severe in the land of Egypt. Moreover, all the earth came to Egypt to Joseph to buy grain, because the famine was severe over all the earth. Chapter 42, when Jacob learned that there was grain for sale in Egypt, he said to his sons, why do you look at one another? And he said, behold, I have heard that there is grain for sale in Egypt. Go down and buy grain for us there that we may live and not die. So 10 of Joseph's brothers went down to buy grain in Egypt. But Jacob did not send Benjamin, Joseph's brother, with his brothers, for he feared that harm might happen to him. Thus, the sons of Israel came to buy among the others who came, for the famine was in the land of Canaan. Now Joseph was governor over the land. He was the one who sold to all the people of the land. And Joseph's brothers came and bowed themselves before him, with their faces to the ground. Joseph saw his brothers and recognized them, but he treated them like strangers and spoke roughly to them. Where do you come from? He said. They said, from the land of Canaan to buy food. And Joseph recognized his brothers, but they did not recognize him. We're going to skip ahead. He sold them food and sent them home. Chapter 43, verse 1. Now the famine was severe in the land. When they had eaten the grain that they had brought from Egypt, their father said, Go again, buy us a little food. And so they went down again. Uh, verse 15, they took, a, they took a gift, they took money, and they took Benjamin this time. They arose and went down to Egypt and stood before Joseph. Verse 26, When Joseph came home, they brought into the house to him the present that they had with him and bowed down to him to the ground. And he inquired about their welfare and said, Is your father well, the old man of whom you spoke? Is he still alive? They said, Your servant, our father, is well. He is still alive. And they bowed their heads and prostrated themselves. And he lifted up his eyes and saw his brother Benjamin, his mother's son, and said, Is this your youngest brother of whom you spoke to me? God be gracious to you, my son. Then Joseph hurried out, for his compassion grew warm for his brother, and he sought a place to weep. And he entered his chamber and wept there. Then he washed his face and came out, And controlling himself, he said, serve the food. They served him by himself and them by themselves. And the Egyptians who ate with him by themselves, because the Egyptians could not eat with the Hebrews, for that is an abomination to the Egyptians. And they sat before him, the firstborn according to his birthright, and the youngest according to his youth. And the men looked at one another in amazement. Portions were taken to them from Joseph's table, but Benjamin's portion was five times as much as any of theirs. And they drank and were merry with him. 
We're going to skip chapter 44. Joseph tested his brothers to see if they were still filled with the murderous intent of their youth. Chapter 45. They, were, they came back into his presence, and he could see that there had been a change of heart, some repentance over these years. Chapter 45, verse 1. Then Joseph could not control himself before all those who stood by him. He cried, make everyone go out from me. So no one stayed with him when Joseph made himself known to his brothers. And he wept aloud so that the Egyptians heard it and the household of Pharaoh heard it. And Joseph said to his brothers, I am Joseph. Is my father still alive? But his brothers could not answer him, answer him, for they were dismayed at his presence. So Joseph said to his brothers, Come near to me, please. And they came near. And he said, I am your brother Joseph, whom you sold into Egypt. And now do not be distressed or angry with yourselves because you sold me here. For God sent me before you to preserve life. For the famine has been in the land these two years, and there are yet five years in which there will be neither plowing nor harvest. God sent me before you to preserve for you a remnant on earth and to keep alive for you many survivors. So it was not you who sent me here, but God has made me a father to Pharaoh and Lord of all his house and ruler over all the land of Egypt." Hurry and go up to my father and say to him, Thus says your son Joseph, God has made me Lord of all Egypt. Come down to me. Do not tarry. You shall dwell in the land of Goshen and you shall be near me. You and your children and your children's children and your flocks, your herds, and all that you have. There I will provide for you, for there are yet five years of famine to come so that you and your household and all that you have do not come to poverty. And now your eyes see, and the eyes of my brother Benjamin see, that it is my mouth that speaks to you. You must tell my father of all my honor in Egypt and of all that you have seen. Hurry and bring my father down here. Then he fell upon his brother Benjamin's neck and wept, and Benjamin wept upon his neck. And he kissed all his brothers and wept upon them. After that, his brothers talked with him. When the report was heard in Pharaoh's house, Joseph's brothers have come. It pleased Pharaoh and his servants. And Pharaoh advised Joseph, we're going to skip ahead, uh, to send carts and wagons and gifts to his father and bring his father back down to Egypt. So they went up out of Egypt and came to the land of Canaan to their father Jacob. And they told him, chapter 45, verse 26, Joseph is still alive and he is ruler over all the land of Egypt. And his heart became numb for he did not believe them. But when they told him all the words of Joseph, which he had said to them, and when he saw the wagons that Joseph had sent to carry him, the spirit of their father Jacob revived And Israel said, it is enough. Joseph, my son, is still alive. I will go and see him before I die. So Israel took his journey with all that he had and came to Beersheba. 
and offered sacrifices to the God of his father Isaac. And God spoke to Israel in visions of the night and said, Jacob, Jacob. And he said, here I am. Then he said, I am God, the God of your father. Do not be afraid to go down to Egypt, for there I will make you into a great nation. I myself will go down with you to Egypt, and I will also bring you up again, and Joseph's hand shall close your eyes. Then he and his brothers and all that they had went down to Egypt. Chapter 47. So Joseph went in and told Pharaoh, My father and my brothers with their flocks and herds and all that they possess have come from the land of Canaan. They are now in the land of Goshen. And from among his brothers, he took five men and presented them to Pharaoh. Pharaoh said to his brothers, What is your occupation? And they said to Pharaoh, Your servants are shepherds as our fathers were. They said to Pharaoh, We have come to sojourn in the land, for there is no pasture for your servants' flocks, for the famine is severe in the land of Canaan. And now please let your servants dwell in the land of Goshen. Then Pharaoh said to Joseph, Your father and your brothers have come to you. The land of Egypt is before you. Settle your father and your brothers in the best of the land. Let them settle in the land of Goshen, and if you know any able men among them, put them in charge of my livestock. Skipping down to verse 23. Um, the, his brothers and their families and their little ones settled there in Egypt in the best of the land. And uh, the section we skipped describes how people continued to come from all Egypt and even from all nations to buy grain. Chapter 23, after they, or verse 23, after they had run out of money, Joseph said to the people, Behold, I have this day bought you and your land for Pharaoh. When they ran out of money, they offered themselves as slaves and indentured servants to Joseph just so they could have food to eat. Chapter 47, verse 23. Now here is seed for you, and you shall sow the land. And at the harvest, you shall give a fifth to Pharaoh, and four-fifths shall be your own, as seed for the field, and as food for yourselves and your household, and as food for your little ones. And they said, You have saved our lives. May it please my Lord, we will be servants to Pharaoh. So Joseph made it a statue concerning the land of Egypt, and it stands to this day that Pharaoh should have the, land, the fifth. The land of the priests alone did not become Pharaoh's. And so, as we skip ahead, we saw that Joseph provided bread for all nations. Chapter 50. We're going to read verse, verses 14 through 21 of chapter 50, and then go to our study. Chapter 50, verse 14. Um, Joseph's father, Jacob, or Israel, had died, and he had taken him back up to the land of Canaan and buried him there uh, in the tomb of his uh, wife Leah and his mother Isaac, his mother Rebecca and father Isaac. Verse 14. After he had buried his father, 
Joseph returned to Egypt with his brothers and all who had gone up with him to bury his father. When Joseph's brothers saw that their father was dead, they said, it may be that Joseph will hate us and pay us back for all the evil we did to him. So they sent a message to Joseph saying, your father gave this command before he died. Say to Joseph, please forgive the transgression of your brothers and their sin because they did evil to you. And now, please forgive the transgression of the servants of God, uh, of the God of your father. Joseph wept when they spoke to him. His brothers also came and fell down before him and said, Behold, we are your servants. But Joseph said to them, Do not fear, for am I in the place of God? As for you, you meant evil against me, but God meant it for good, to bring about, to bring it about that many people should be kept alive as they are today. So do not fear. I will provide for you and your little ones. Thus he comforted them and spoke kindly to them. This is the word of the Lord. So since one of my life goals is to be a little bit more like Andy Gearhart, we're going to do the rest of our time together in classroom style, and I'd like to ask for assistance writing on the whiteboard. We can go around, um, and just by, as you raise your hand, um, say, the, say the things that you've noticed where you see how Jesus, how Joseph foreshadows Jesus' coming, foreshadows Jesus' life, foreshadows Jesus' purpose in coming, and God's design over all the things, including the sufferings of Christ. So you said um, that Jesus told his disciples to wait until you've been clothed with power from on high, that is, clothed with the Holy Spirit, and like they were clothed with the clothes of God, so Joseph was clothed once with a robe of many fine colors and then with a robe of fine linen and a gold chain around his neck given to him from Pharaoh. So we have a robe theme going on here. Let's put that out there. What else do you see about the robe? Sam Monty says that the dream actually was fulfilled. His brothers did fall down before him. Yeah. So the fulfillment of the dream, his, the fulfillment of the prophecy, his brothers worshipped him. That is just like Jesus. All those that he made brothers and likewise sisters fall down and worship him. Sydney says there's a theme where like Joseph was uh, put in a pit, a figurative death, and then again later thrown into the king's own dungeon, another deep pit, and then was lifted up a second time. Likewise, Jesus, was, Jesus went down to the pit, a.k.a. the grave. He tasted death. He tasted it, but he didn't remain there. He was lifted up again. So uh, a, uh, a, a kind of death into the pit and a lifting up 
Yeah, and lifting up, we can say, to great power and authority. In fact, every time Joseph was brought low by his own family, by his own brothers, by, by, uh, by Potiphar's wife, um, every, every time he was brought low, he was exalted by God. The favor of God was on him. Oh, yeah, the most beloved son. That was Joseph. Yeah, the robe of the most beloved son dipped in blood. When in the New Testament did Jesus say those words we love to repeat in Sunday school at GCF? Uh, this is my son whom I love. In him I am well pleased. It is baptism, right? They're both the firstborn son of their mother. Mm -hmm. Joseph and Jesus, that's a good observation. There are so many here. We won't finish these. There are more than we'll see all together. John. He sent by his father at the beginning to bless his brothers. Yeah, yeah. There's a commonality in the solitude of his sufferings. He's betrayed and his brothers are scattered. He's betrayed by his brothers and they scatter and leave him and he's left on his own, like Jesus in the garden. Yeah. When he was being tempted by Potiphar's wife, that's like Jesus in the wilderness when he was being continually tempted by the devil and he continually resisted the temptation, and he escaped for fear of God. Yeah, yeah. He was sold into the hands of sinful men. Yeah, bound. How much did they charge the Ishmaelites for him? 20 shekels of silver. Yeah. Which later in the law is listed in the codex of their laws as the price of a slave. Jesus became as a common, uh, like a common thief, and he was numbered among the transgressors, crucified like slaves were crucified, not Roman citizens, hmm. even though he was the citizen of heaven. He was born in Israel, then he went to Egypt, just like Egypt, just like and then he came out of Egypt. What we didn't read in the end of uh, chapter 50, his bones were brought up out of Egypt. Well, actually, it's uh, uh, the author of Hebrews says that he gave directions concerning his bones. He said, don't let my bones stay here after I die. And he said it in faith, knowing that the exodus would come, knowing that God would bring the people up out back into the land of Canaan. And he said it in faith. He gave directions concerning his bones. And likewise, Jesus, as a, a boy, went down to Egypt, and then out of Egypt, God called his son. Yeah, yeah. Another aspect of the robe is that it was stripped from him twice. Once by his brothers and once by Potiphar's wife. Yeah, yeah. That is very good. So Jesus' robe was... What kind of robe was it uh, that Joseph wore? It's a coat of many colors. Do you think that was expensive? Do you think that was really expensive? Do you think that symbolized that, uh, that Jacob or Israel intended to give Joseph the birthright among his brothers? 
This was a robe of authority, wasn't it? Authority flowed to Joseph throughout his life, and he somehow always managed to find himself being clothed with a robe, a robe of authority, a king's robe. It says uh, the last robe he was given was fine linen and a golden chain around his neck. How is Jesus described when he is revealed in Revelation chapter 1? Robe? White cloth? Gold sash around his waist. Yeah. Yeah, that looks a lot alike. We see these shadows of Jesus. Jesus is so big that his shadow isn't just around him. It goes all through history, and it's written into the story of people's lives. What else? And the fact that Joseph gave out bread like Jesus gave out bread. Yeah. Joseph gave out bread like Jesus gave out bread. And say that last part again. We may expect that as Joseph was distributing the bread, that he told people, God has preserved your lives by this bread and by his plan. Likewise, as Jesus distributes himself, even the very bread of life in this gospel by which we come and find our spiritual sustenance in our life, and as we eat of him, we give thanks to God. And that we will do today in memoriam, as we do every Sunday around the Eucharist table. All the nations come and get grain from uh, Joseph, from this favored son wearing the king's robe. Yeah. Joseph is given power by Pharaoh, uh, the king, the power of the king over all of Egypt. Likewise, a double fulfillment of that. Uh, Jesus is given authority by the father and also the authority and the riches of the nations flow to the church built on the rock of Christ, right? So, so Gentiles, that's, well, that's us. Uh, we give our riches and authority as we come in to join around Christ our head. Uh, everything we had is now his. And this will continue as the church grows in future history. So, so noting God's provision and this provision of bread for the hungry, uh, so much, Joseph had so much bread, so much grain that he stopped measuring it. Uh, similarly, the, the righteous son of David, or the, uh, the one who was expected to be the righteous son, but he himself did not fully fulfill that. That was looking ahead to the righteous son, Jesus. As Solomon, the son of David, uh, count amassed wealth to build a house for God's name. He didn't even, he, he stopped counting it. There was, there was too much. There was too much bounty of the Lord. There was more than was needed. Joseph bought all the people by his deeds, by his wisdom. When Joseph rides in the chariot, all have to bow the knee. But then later yeah. on, his brothers also were shepherds of Egypt. Oh, that's so good. So good. Thank you. So, uh, what was the first one again? So the first one was the calling. Of the calling. Thank you. So it was said over Joseph as a, in his youth that, uh, that he would rule. 
And likewise, it was said to Jesus at his birth, in his youth, that he would rule, right? When he was presented at the temple. And then again, uh, Jesus is a carpenter, and that figures because he is the one who builds the church. So similarly, Joseph uh, is a shepherd like all his brothers, and that figures because he's a foreshadowing of the great shepherd, right? Who shepherds his people. And we are, we in his church are little shepherds under him, like him. Oh, that just, this is, this is not coincidence. The Holy Spirit wrote about Jesus beforehand in Genesis, in the life story and the events and the symbols in Joseph's life to give hints of the coming king robed in glory. Last one. Yeah, so, so at age 30, Joseph began his ministry of service, providing bread and having authority over the household of the king. In the same way, Jesus began his public ministry at age 30, and he became the one who provided bread and served the peoples. So, so even though Joseph's brothers meant it for harm, they tried to, they were in the process of leaving him to die of thirst in a well in the desert, right? They meant to kill him, and then they're like, no, wait, let's make some money off him, right? I mean, I guess he's our own flesh and blood. One or two of them said that. Uh, maybe the rest didn't go that far. They meant it for harm, but God meant it for good. The, uh, Jesus was betrayed by his own brother, Judas, and by his own countrymen, like brothers, the Pharisees. And he was sold for, a, for these same pieces of silver. And, but God meant it for good. God meant it for the deliverance, reconciliation of the people of Israel to God. And we are the people of Israel, or of true Israel, if we receive this gospel. So, like Joseph, Jesus forgave his brothers and provided food for their children and their children's children. Jesus was falsely accused. Joseph was falsely accused, right? He was falsely accused of wrongdoing by Potiphar's wife. Jesus in his trial was falsely accused. Hmm. Jesus' robe is, uh, the the robe of of, uh, God is seen in Isaiah, uh, in Isaiah's vision, maybe chapter 7. Um, chapter 9, and it says the, the train of his robe fills the whole building, the whole temple of God. Jesus' robe is more glorious than the robe of many colors. His robe is the ultimate robe. He's the ultimate Joseph, the new Joseph. Um, Jesus used his power not uh, harshly or to be a harsh lord and tyrant. He used his power over those Uh, whom he ruled to serve them and to give them bread, including the wicked nations that came. I want to, I think we should close with prayer. But let me direct you again to this book, Peter Lightheart's A House for My Name, A Survey of the Old Testament. We didn't get to it, but he has two pages that well summarize what we've already said. 
Thank you guys very much. This is, this is our joy and delight as we read the Old Testament. If you're reading the Old Testament and you're not finding shadows of Jesus in it, you're not reading the Bible biblically. You're not reading the Bible the way Jesus intended for us to understand it. And sometimes we study others to find what they have observed. And sometimes we simply have to have these things revealed to us supernaturally. And so to that end, we pray. Lord God, ruler of the whole universe, you who brings forth bread from the earth, even you who are bread come down from heaven, that we, your people, might eat and be satisfied. Fill us again and again as we read your scriptures. Thank you very much for causing us to have open eyes to perceive your glory and the majestic way that only, only Jesus could fulfill the scriptures, even the whole Hebrew scriptures as was written about him. And so it's to you and before your throne that we come and bow down and worship. And it's to you that we will come again and again. Fill us with delight in your scriptures and hunger for your word. In Jesus' wonderful name, who satisfies the hungry and restores those who are alienated from him. Amen.